Today we're talking about cancer and overcoming adversity. Welcome to the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. Welcome to the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. Here at NL Pulse, our mission is to help teens and young adults understand themselves, others, and the world in which they live. We're your hosts, Peter and Rachel, and we're so excited that you're joining us today. And today we are covering an extremely um, special home-hitting topic um, from my co-host Peter's own story and life. And I, it sounds strange to say I'm excited to talk about it, but I think it's a really important thing to talk about and for you to share because there are a lot of people who are impacted um, by what you're going through. And there are a lot of people who can find like hope and comfort in the things that you have to say. So Peter, take it away. What are we talking about today? So today we're talking about cancer and it's a hard subject to talk, talk about simply because um, no one likes to hear that word thrown around ever, really. I think it's it's almost got that, a sense of being sort of a taboo word. Like, no one wants mm-hmm. to hear it being used because it's just that bad of a thing that can happen to someone. But, and I've, I've said this on the podcast a number of times now, but cancer, like all other things, its power comes from the fact that we don't talk about it. The more you talk about it, the less power Mm -hmm. it can have over you and over the people around you. Um, And I think it's kind of an important topic to talk about nowadays too, simply because it seems like everyone seems to know someone who is going through cancer of some kind or know someone who is taking care of someone that has cancer. And it, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common, even though um, they're doing such great, they're making great strides in finding a cure for cancer, but it seems like it's not happening fast enough to meet the ever-growing presence of cancer in our world. Right, um, right. So yeah, this is going to be one that we're going to be talking about cancer, but I think it's going to be more of a overcoming adversity topic as well. Like we'll, we'll talk about my cancer journey, but we'll talk about some of the ways that I've been able to work through it. Um, some of the things that I've learned and just some tips, not necessarily, and it's not even going to be necessarily tips that I have for going through cancer because I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But maybe, right, right. but right, but maybe tips for just working through adversity because um, cancer has been my struggle, but everyone else has their own struggles that these tips might help out with as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, and I think I mean, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly what I was gonna say. You can go ahead. Oh, no, that's all right. I was just going to say, I feel like going through something like cancer, whether it's you or a loved one, is probably the hardest 
uh, one of, if not the hardest things to go through in your life, especially Peter too, you're a young man. Like, so you've impacted a lot of people in terms of like your age has probably really taken people back when you've talked about your cancer journey. Cause like how long from your first diagnosis to now, like how much of a span is that? Like what have, what's the age span been? Well, yeah. So we can, we should start from the beginning. Um, I'll, I'll sort mm-hmm. of summarize it right now that I was first diagnosed with stage two malignant melanoma when I was 18. So I was still mm-hmm. really, really young when that happens. And when, whenever I tell anyone that that particular bit of information, they, they're always taken aback a little bit because that's not a young person thing that like, mm-hmm. yeah no one that young or younger should ever have to deal with cancer, but that's just, that's a really young age. And you know, the thing about being 18 and getting diagnosed with cancer is that when you're 18, you think you're invincible. And Mm -hmm. when, um, when you're told that you have cancer, it makes you have to think about your own mortality. Uh, and it, it's right. No one can ever it, to try and explain what it means to go through cancer. If you haven't gone through cancer is really a really hard thing to do because, and those words, hearing those words are some of the, the most gut wrenching things you can hear. Um, so yeah, so I was I was 18 when I was first diagnosed with melanoma, and then just this last year, I was 38 years old, diagnosed with cancer again. This time, testicular cancer. So if if, and I'll go into some of the the things about that. But if if especially the the guys listening to this right now, check yourself regularly because it's something that can be avoided as long as you're checking yourself because mine ended up spreading into my lungs. And that's the battle that I'm working through right now is that mine started out as testicular cancer, a kind of cancer called embryonal carcinoma. And it's, it's fairly aggressive and it's known to spread into other parts of the body like the lungs. And so we, while we caught mine pretty early, it wasn't early enough to catch it all the way. And it had spread by the time they did the surgery on me. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. I didn't write down a lot of notes for this one because I didn't know where the conversation and mm-hmm. the storytelling was going to go. But I, I guess mm-hmm. I can just start from the beginning. Um, yeah, go for it. So... When I was 18 years old, I was uh, in high school. I was senior year of high school. I had actually just graduated from high school. And it was it was at that point that my sister told me that I should go to the doctor because I had this mole on my shoulder that was looking really weird. It was starting to do weird things and grow and stuff. And I was like, it's fine. And she was like, no, you're going to the doctor. So I went to the doctor. The doctor took what's called a margin out, which is this the the mole, but then a section around the mole. They sent it off to Mayo. They put stitches in, and then I was I left for the day. Two weeks later, I go back to the hospital again, and the doctor takes out my stitches, 
And I think I, I, at that point, I thought I was fine. And my doctor says, well, I asked my doctor, so it's okay for me to go then, right? I just needed to come and get my stitches. And he was like, nah, you better just stay sitting down. And then he starts to talk about the different kinds of skin cancer, the, the basal cell carcinoma, the squamous cell carcinoma. He talks about those being sort of not quite as serious skin cancers because they tend to stay on the skin. And then he starts to talk about melanoma, which is the more dangerous of the three because it can spread to other parts of the body more easily. And he told me that that was what I had. And, you know, it kind of goes back to um, what Adam was talking about last, last in our last podcast, where I'm of, a, I'm of the age where this, I was the same kind of way where I had the keys to the house, I had my own car, I went to appointments on my own, I did those sorts of things on my own. Unfortunately, I went to the hospital by myself on this particular day. And so I had to hear those words sitting in the hospital room by myself. And then I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. It was in Hillsborough. So the first thing that I did was I actually went and stopped at Lee Erickson's house. Um, I, I didn't know where else to go. I knew that eventually I was going to have to go home and tell my, my parents and my sisters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't know what to do. So I stopped at Lee's place. He calmed me down. I drove home and then I did the hardest thing to that to this day. To this day, it's still the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Right. Was go home and tell my mom. First, my mom, because no one else was home um, that I had cancer. And then my dad got home and I had to tell him. And then my sisters got home and I had to tell them. And it was, it was just heart, heartbreaking to have to do yeah. that. Yeah. So not to get into like too nitty gritty, but what was that, what was that conversation like, like delivering that news to your family? Like, I just can't even imagine. Um, I can still remember the, I can't remember uh, like all of the, the nitty, like you said, the nitty gritty details. I just remember the feeling that I felt. Yeah. Um, it, it was something to the effect of mom, I have some news I need to tell you and it's not good news. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have cancer and she started crying. Um, so did I. And it, it was, it was actually a, a little harder telling dad for some reason, I, I don't know why, why it was harder telling dad. So having those conversations with my family members, really hard to do. Um, and you know what, I will say, I will say that adults, if you're listening to this podcast, talk to your kids about the hard things and mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, teens and young adults, talk to your parents about the hard things. Yes. You know, because no one else is better suited to help you out in these kinds of situations than your immediate family. A hundred percent. So then I had to go through the, the process of, uh, it was stage two, it, it had gotten into my lymph nodes under that arm. So I had to have surgery to have um, those lymph nodes taken out. But 
it was a success. I didn't have any recurrence from the melanoma. Yeah. How long after you had that surgery, like what was the, um, like when did you get to like declare that you're in remission? What was the checkup process like? And having skin cancer, is that one where you have to like have a check regularly for the rest of your life to make sure that you're not developing cells or how does that work? So it was one of those things where I needed to go to the doctor every two months for a couple of years and okay. he would do a checkup okay. on my entire body for those two years. Then after that, they go to like six months. Then after that, after, after I feel like it's five years, they stop doing those checkups. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to the point of being mm-hmm. where if I see something that looks weird, then I go back in. Um, so yeah, okay. it's, it, it's, it takes a while to get to that point where, but I mean, my doctor said that um, after the surgery was done, after that first checkup, basically I was in remission by that point where they had gotten everything that they needed to okay. get out of my body. I was cancer free after the surgery was done. Um, up until okay. this, up until this last year when, when I had cancer oh, again, yeah. um, and this one was a little bit harder. This one has been a lot harder to go through. Um, yeah. So again, I, I, I did that PSA for guys to, to check themselves regularly, but also going back to my melanoma, you guys and, and ladies wear sunscreen and don't go to tanning mm-hmm. booths if you can avoid it. Just mm-hmm. it's, it's better to be safe and, and not put yourself in danger. That's probably why I got my skin cancer when I did was that I, we didn't wear sunblock. Yeah, I feel like that's something specifically like within the last like 10 to 15 years that people have gotten a lot more serious about is sun exposure. And especially now, like these days, the sun is so much more intense than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can never, you can never, it's the largest organ of your body. You can never take um, adequate care of it. I don't think. Um, but yeah, especially wear a sunblock. Yep. This time around, um, having experienced this, the cancer diagnosis as such a young person, and then going back to the doctor, finding out, and maybe this is all part of like, you're telling your tale already, but did that, were you prepared at all to hear the fact that you had cancer again, or was it still just as shocking as it was the first time? Like what, how did that first experience bring you into this second time around? Granted, completely different cancer, but did it do anything to prepare you at all? Um, that's a really good question. I uh, Nothing can prepare you for hearing those words, even, yeah, yeah. even, even if you've heard them before. Right. Um, so I immediately, my heart immediately sank again. Like, like it was, it was like experiencing it it again for the first time. Right. Um, And I had to make the phone calls again. Yeah. And I'm sure too, this time around, like, or you experienced that as such a young person. And I'm sure like the last 20 years from then till now, you probably 
took really good care of yourself. You know, you probably did all of these things like knowing like, hey, I experienced this. I have I like faced this serious thing as such a young person. And then for you to hear that again, despite all of the care and like effort you put into maintaining your body, like that must have been so incredibly frustrating for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can cancer is a tricky thing because mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter how how well you take care of yourself if it's going to happen right. it's going to happen and right. um unfortunately it happened again mm-hmm. anyway sorry you were saying you had to make the phone calls again right and go um, that process yeah and just as heartbreaking as the first time around um yeah. it, we, we had those conversations like it's so unfair that you have cancer once, let alone twice, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, so this time around, um, it, it was a little bit worse because it was t- testicular cancer, which in and of itself isn't, like the, the, the survivability rates of testicular cancer and melanoma are really, really high as long as they're caught mm-hmm. early. They're like mm-hmm. 90, 95% survivability rate, you know, for five years afterwards. Um, the problem is that it spread into my lungs. And that right. was that was the part that shocked everyone because mm-hmm. I'm, I feel fine. I was feeling fine. Um, we thought we got it early enough. And then when we didn't, that was the one that's that, that, It's scary anyway, but when it gets into a part of your body like the lungs, it's especially scary. Like you. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to. And now, so I had my surgery for testicular cancer, and then I had a CAT scan on my whole body, and nothing was found. And in two months, I had another CAT scan. And in that CAT scan, that's when they found the tumors in my lungs. So in in, in the span of two months, it only wow. took two months for it to spread. Wow. Um, and so we, we ended up, I ended up doing three rounds of chemo, which mm-hmm. let me tell you, hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I Yeah, I can't imagine. It's so there are the, there are weeks how do I explain chemo? The way that I'd had to do chemo, I had a full week of chemo. And then the next two weeks, it was just Mondays. So all five days, one day, and then the next Monday, and then the next Monday after that, and that is considered a round of chemo. So I, I had to do that three times. Wow. And like you get to Wednesday in those, those weeks where you're doing chemo all three days or all five days, And by the time you get to Wednesday, Thursday, you can feel your body telling you, I can't do this. Stop. You need to stop doing this. Because for those that don't know, chemo is basically putting toxic chemicals into your body that are targeting, targeting fast growing cells, which Mm -hmm. is what tumor, which is what um, cancer cells are. And the hope is that you kill all of those before you start doing permanent damage to the healthy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
after those three rounds, I had another CAT scan a couple of weeks after that. And the, the chemo did what it needed to do for the most part. There's still a little bit left in there. So I'm just waiting. As of today's recording, I have um, a couple of weeks to wait before I have my next CAT scan to see what's going on. Because there's potential, there's a potential for a lot of different outcomes here. Uh, it could, it could be that the chemo, the chemo is still doing its job and it might show up as being completely gone by the time February 2nd rolls around. It could just be hanging out, not, and not doing anything. It could have mm -hmm. spread again. Like we're, we're, we're waiting until February 2nd to basically find out what my fate is. It's what it's right. That's what it feels like anyway. So when did, okay. What was the time period for like, when were you first diagnosed with testicular cancer? And then when were you doing the chemo? I'm curious about the timing. So I was diagnosed with the testicular cancer at the end of March, beginning of April. Okay. And that was a boom, boom, boom process. <laughs> right at the beginning of the pandemic. That must have been really scary too. Yeah. <laughs> to be at the hospital that much and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So from the time that I went to the doctor to the time that I had that surgery was only two and a half because it was like, I went to my doctor mm -hmm. and then the next day I went to see an oncologist and then the next day I had the surgery. Mm -hmm. So they, it was serious enough at the time that they needed to get it out of there as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I had a CAT scan in, I had a couple of CAT scans in between. Sure. So I, I had a CAT scan right after the surgery. And then I had another CAT scan in July and everything was showing up as being perfectly fine up until that point. So end of March, beginning of April is when I found it and had the surgery. July is when I had my next CAT scan. And then it was September 1st that I had the CAT scan that showed that it had gotten into my lungs. Okay. And then I started my chemo on September 14th and that went from September 14th to November 9th. Okay. So all of this took place between um, March and November, basically. So, and now they're just kind of like monitoring you to see how things happen. November feels like it wasn't that long ago right. to me. But yeah, okay, got it. So, okay, to kind of get into um, the topic of you are talking about facing adversity and um, some, I guess, tips for how to deal with the challenges in your life. First, what do you think is the biggest thing somebody whose loved one is going through cancer, going through treatments, going through this whole lengthy process at the hospital, whatever, what have you, what can the, those people's loved ones be doing to support their person who's going through this? That is a really good question. And that brings me to one of my thoughts of the day. Because mm -hmm. that was one of my thoughts of the day was how can you as a teen, as a young adult, as anyone else who has been, been um, have, who has been affected by cancer, there are a lot of things that you can do to help out. And I, I was so blessed to have so many people looking out for me, like 
and doing things for me. So some of the things that I had written down, like if, if you have a family member who is going through cancer, these are some of the things that you can do to, to help them out. Um, so I have um, offered to cook and bring meals to them mm -hmm. because especially when you're going through chemo, you don't have any energy to do much of anything else. At least right. in my experience, I didn't have energy to do much of anything when I was going through chemo. So offering or bringing meals to them so they don't have to cook. The biggest one for me is um, helping driving people to their appointments. Oh yeah. Um, I had so many, so many people, so many friends and family members drive me to my appointments. Because oh, again, great. when when you're that tired, the last thing that you want to be doing is driving yourself. Drive. Um, yeah. Getting behind the wheel. It's it's not it's not safe, at, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, just be a friend and go and watch a movie with them because they they don't want to be going through that this this stuff themselves. Mm -hmm. Even if you just go and watch a movie with, with them, do chores around the house for them, like washing dishes. You can babysit and pet sit. Um, you can go and do grocery shopping. I know that's a little bit harder now because no, it's kind of scary to go out into the world right now with COVID going on. But um, even like if they order their groceries online, you can go pick them up. Pick them up. Yeah. Or, um, going to the running to the post office. Um, mm -hmm. And going to pick up prescription medications. Um, those are all things that people did for me that and wow. I got so much help and I'm, I'm never going to be able to thank the people in my life enough for all of the things that they did for me. Like, well, I think I don't think you have to, first of all, because people don't just do that for anybody. You, I, at knowing you as a person, Peter, like I am just assuming, and I'm sure that you have done similar things for them or would in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and that, I was going to say that kind of brings me to my, one of my other first sort of points is that um, people want to help. Yes. And so one of the things that I learned when I was going through my cancer is that people want to help. Don't take that away from them, mm -hmm. you know, by trying to do everything yourself because you're not invincible. It is going to take its toll. You're not going to be able to do everything. And that's okay. It's okay mm -hmm. that you're not Superman or, or, mm -hmm. or Wonder Woman. Right. Um, is there like a correlation to like by taking those things that anybody who's willing to help can do like that takes um, like a bit off of your stress load too. Like you need to be focusing on getting better. And I'm sure there is like science behind like the amount of stress you have versus like trying to combat an illness. I don't know about cancer necessarily, but I would assume that there is some sort of direct correlation there where like, if you can take something out of your life so you can focus on getting better, do it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it made it a lot easier for me to, to sleep because that's a, a lot of what I wanted, wanted to do when I was going through, especially the mm -hmm. chemo was, mm -hmm. was sleep because that's when your body repairs itself. Mm -hmm. Um, so to not have to worry about doing all of those things so I can rest and, and sleep as much as possible. That was super helpful. Yeah. 
Um, another thing that I learned, can't do it on my own. Yeah. I need, I need the people around me to help me out. Like, like I said, at the very beginning, when I was 18 and diagnosed with cancer, I was, I thought I was invincible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tried to do a lot of, a lot of things on my own with that one too. And it it doesn't work. You, you need the people around you to get through some of these things because like you had mentioned a little bit ago, when you have people helping you out, that takes a lot of the burden off of your, off of your mind. And it allows you to focus on the things that you need to focus on for your recovery. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so in terms of like going other people going through their adversity or wherever you want to take the conversation next, like what, do you have to offer as somebody who has obviously been through a lot? Like how can, how, how have you been able to mentally wrap your head around letting people in probably to a degree and being vulnerable, probably to a degree that you've never had to do before. And also focus on that healing and focus on like, you know, it's really important for me to invite other people into my life so that I can, continue to live. So how, what's that been like? Like, how, how would you explain that to people and what advice you have? It, it, it took a lot of crying and a lot of soul searching. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because for the people that know me, I do try to do everything myself Mm -hmm. and I had to, I had to be honest with myself and understand that this was going to be something this is it it was going to always be the biggest thing that I've ever needed to get through in my life like this was the big battle at the end of the movie this is and you you can't do those things by yourself Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a that's a lesson that I needed to learn so if the universe decided that I needed to learn this lesson in this way, that I need the people around me in my life, then so be it. But um, kind of a harsh way to teach that lesson. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Another thing that I learned going through this is that you can still experience good things when you're going through hard things, as long as you let yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very easy to take one negative thing that's going on in your life and compound that by saying, well, this is a bad thing. I'm not going to get through this. Just keep dumping on all the bad stuff and the negativity, but you you can allow, you can still allow yourself to have good things happen even when you're going through bad things. Okay. Um, like I said earlier, I the one of the one of the best things that I got through part of this is a rekindling of a lot of those relationships that you know sometimes time will time will um how do i want to word it as time goes on some of those relationships that you make start to fall apart or 
doing they they just kind of you go for you go from talking every week to someone Mm -hmm. to every month and then a couple of times a year so now i'm because of because of this um I'm talking, I'm talking to my family a lot more. I'm t- talking to my closest friends a lot more. Those are good. Those are good things that came out of this. Right. Um, I, I decided to get my children's book published. Mm-hmm. Um, this job that I'm currently doing right now, I started it while I was still in the middle of chemo. Yeah, that's uh, wild. <laughs> well, and that goes to another point that I didn't write down but it's worth mentioning is that when you're faced with your mortality, sometimes you speed up some of the things that you want to do to make sure that you can get them done just in case. Sure. Um, But, but yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, is there anything else that you're wanting to add? I just want to say like how incredibly you come across talking about this so eloquently in a way that I would never be able to do. So it's just amazing to see you and all your posts on Facebook and everything. I always try and keep up that way with what you're sharing about your journey that you're going through. I just, man, Peter, (laughs) you are handling this exceptionally well. Thank you. You, and it's a very obvious, I mean, even knowing you before this second time, that you were diagnosed with cancer. Like it's very obvious that you make it a point to be a really positive person. And I think that has served you a lot in like this journey that you're on, which nobody deserves and nobody is asked for. So it's just been really inspiring to like watch you and hear you talk about it. Thank you. I, uh, yeah. It goes back to, I think it's gonna end up being my catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we gotta have catchphrases, I guess if we're doing a podcast, but like my being able to talk about it takes away its power and its influence on me because it would be so easy to let this thing completely dominate my life. Right. You know, I have cancer. What's the point? I'm just going to sit in my apartment and sort of just fizzle out. No, that's not the way that nothing good comes from, from, looking at a situation like this that negatively like right and being negative is only going to make you feel worse Mm -hmm. and i i believe that you know what I'll, i'll say it i believe that if you're going through cancer and you're thinking negatively all the time you're letting that cancer win um and you're you're speeding up that process. Yeah. Um, which brings me to probably my last point that I, I'm going to make on this. Like one of the things that I've learned. It's such a cliche phrase. And I used to be the type of person that didn't like to hear it. Mm-hmm. But one day at a time. Mm-hmm. is actually a real thing. Like you can yeah. only do things one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Trying to look too far ahead, you're going to start to get distracted from the things that you need to focus on now, like your health, your relationships, your friendships, um, your m- mental mindset. Mm-hmm. When you start 
thinking too far ahead. It can take away from those things that matter and are most important now. So yeah, one day at a time, friends. That's all I can, <laughs> that's all I can really say. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's excellent advice for, I mean, obviously for what you're going through and what anyone is going through any type of situation. I think we put a lot on ourselves and we distract ourselves from that healing from no matter what we're trying to heal from. And I also think that like you and I, we both had the pleasure of growing up in a small town, North Dakota. And we, I've learned the two biggest lessons that I learned growing up in North Dakota are one, your neighbors, even though you might not agree on and everything, and you might think that they're pesky or annoying or whatever, they will do anything for you. (laughs) And that's, that's just like the world that we grew up in. So when you're talking about people wanting to help and asking to help and all the different ways that they did, that doesn't surprise me at all. First of all, because of who you are as a person. And second of all, because that's just the culture that we were raised in. Um, And also I think that we expect other people to be open so that we can help them because we are driven as small town people, as North Dakotans to like help people. But at the same time, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like, Oh, I don't, I'm, I want to help all these other people. They don't need to help me. I don't, I don't need help. I don't need that. So when I talked earlier about like having that vulnerability, like that's a really hard thing, especially for like a salt of the earth people up here, I think. Um, because we are so driven to help other people and think that other people need us so badly that we often neglect ourselves. So that's all those points that you've made, Peter, are really super important and important to digest and learn from a young age because life gets easier as you get older in some ways. And it also gets harder as you get older in some ways, every year you have more and more to think about. And I think we've talked about this before, Yeah. but, um, so you just, the sooner you can realize that you are invincible, you aren't an island, the better you will be when you come to these big challenges. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. If, if you get nothing else out of this episode of this podcast, that's, that's a huge one. Wear your sunscreen and check yourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yep. if, if you get nothing else out of this, at least take those away. Those those right. points away. Right. Um, with that, um, I, so we already kind of did my thought of the day by, mm-hmm. uh, so there are a lot of things you can do to help out people that are going through cancer. I, I listed mm-hmm. a bunch of those, but there's also ways you can make a difference by volunteering with uh, the American Cancer Society, the Relay for Life. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of different organizations that you can volunteer for. Um, and we'll post those on Facebook if you're looking to uh, looking to volunteer or just help out any way that you can. Um, yeah, the so that was the thought of the day. I do have a song recommendation for the day. Too. Yeah, let's hear it. So this is a song that my sister introduced me to a couple of weeks ago. She had seen one of my posts that I put on Facebook and she, I think, noticed and she heard this song and thought that I would really appreciate it because it was a Facebook post where I acknowledged the fact that it could be so easy 
to only look at the negatives that happened last year and, and ignore all the good things that happened last year. I mean, in my life, while, while COVID was going on, while I was going through cancer, all this kind of stuff, I'm becoming a published children's book author, working at a job that I absolutely love right now, closer to my immediate family and friends than I've been in a really long time. And so I just, you know, I, so the name of the song is called uh, Super Bloom by the, uh, Mr. Wives. Okay. And I'll, we'll link that on Facebook too. It, it, it's a very inspiring song for me. It's mm -hmm. one of those ones that I get up and dance to, even mm -hmm. though I don't know how to dance very well. Um, <laughs> it, it's one of those. Perfect. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. So with that, I think that's a good place for us to end for the day. My name's yeah. Peter. And I'm Rachel. And we'll see you again next time.